So James is his name as it's translated to us, as we see it, you know, um, uh, now. But his name, uh, not necessarily James uh, 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 then, you know, in the Greek, uh, the name James was translated from Ikobos uh, or Ikabos, um, which was taken from the Hebrew word. So the Greek word is Ikobos or Ikobos, and uh, it was taken from the Hebrew word, which was Jacob, Jacob, J-A-A-J-A-A-K-O-B, which in our language is weird, is Jacob. And so back then, in that day, that name, Jacob, among Hebrews, among Jews, was a very popular name. And so there is little debate about whether, about which James wrote the book. There's not much debate, but there is some. And so I just want to go through a little bit of that um, uh, 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 debate or the different James that they, people say, different scholars say possibly could have wrote the book. Um, but it's, uh, again, it's among wide agreement that the James that's being talked about here is James, the half brother of Jesus. He's the James who wrote this book. Um, but the other James that a minimal possibility could have been James. So if you turn to Matthew 10, we'll, we'll read through some of the, uh, these apostles, the 12 apostles. It could have been, um, or some would say there was a James. There was James, the son of uh, Alphelius. Um, but he's not really uh, well known. And the reason why he's kind of eliminated from the discussion for the most part as far as authorship is because this James, and we'll see it when we read the book, just refers to himself as James. And so it would be, it, 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 it would then lend itself to, to mean that because he just referred to himself as James, that this author must have been well known to the audience that he was writing to. Um, and so this guy uh, uh, wasn't, they were, so this guy who wrote the book of James says James without any other distinction. This particular James uh, that we see in Matthew chapter 10, um, uh, verse, verse uh, 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 3, uh, this guy um, would need some uh, separate distinction for people to know who he was. Uh, so if you go to Matthew 10, verse 3, he kind of goes through all these, these um, uh, uh, disciples. I'm going to go through that when we get to the third James. Another James would be James, the father of Judas, the disciple. Now, there were two Judases who were disciples, so not Judas Iscariot. We know his story. Uh, but there was another Judas. Uh, now, his father's name was James, but he was even less known than the first James we talked about. So the likelihood of him writing uh, the book is very, very little. Uh, now, then there was James the Apostle, who was the son of Zebedee um, and was John's brother. Uh, but this, this, this John, uh, this James was martyred, uh, uh, martyred in 44 AD. He was killed in 44 AD. And this book was written sometime between like 47 and 49 uh, uh, AD. So he was, he was killed before it was written. Now, could he have written ahead of time? And then it was, you know, sent out. No, Sierra just said, I just realized that there was another Judas. See what happened when you read the Bible? I just, you know, um, uh, so yeah. Um, so, so, that, so James, uh, the son of Zebedee, who was John's brother, you know, again, he was martyred in 44 AD. So the likelihood of him writing it just from the sheer timing of it, um, uh, wasn't likely. So we believe that it's the brother uh, of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, that that's the James um, that wrote it. Now, one of the first life applications, like right out of the box before we even read the book, and understanding that that's the James we're talking about, gives us all hope. Because watch this. Go to John 7. Go to John 7. We're already getting the relevancy here. John 7, this is why this brings us hope when we see that Jesus' half-brother wrote this book. John 7, and we'll start at verse 2. It says, it says, But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, and Jesus' brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. 
if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Now here's verse five, for even his brothers didn't believe him. And so when we see that, that the James that wrote this book is the half brother of Jesus, one of the brothers who didn't even initially believe him, it shows us that there is hope and growth for all of us, no matter where we are in our walk, that the same dude who at the beginning of Jesus's ministry didn't necessarily believe him, and now he is writing instructions to the church, shows that you can't write anybody off, you can't write yourself off. You cannot say what God won't do for you because of where you are in a particular area uh, in your life or in your belief. And so we get encouragement there. That's why I see here. So we get encouragement there with the fact that this same James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, didn't really believe him according to, uh, to John chapter 7, verse 5, now as a believer is now instructing the church. So here's what we got. This James went from a non-believer, watch this, to one of the first to see him uh, after the resurrection. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 7. We all in the Bible tonight, y'all. Because we got to lay this down for James so we understand why he's writing the way he's writing. This is all important, okay? So he went from non-believer to number one, uh, one of the first people to see Jesus after the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 7 uh, says, then, uh, so I'll start at six, uh, uh, well, five. He says, uh, it says, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And so that's the James that they're talking about right here in 1 Corinthians. So he went from being a non-believer to being one of the first to see Jesus after the resurrection. If you go to Acts 1, 14, he was one of the people who formed some of the groups who were praying in the upper room. Okay, so he went from non-believer to seeing him after the resurrection to being one of the leaders in the upper room who formed groups while they were praying up there. He was uh, in Jerusalem when Paul slash Saul met with Peter. Remember, we read this in Galatians. Go, I'm going to go to Galatians 1 just so we can see this. Galatians 1, uh, 19. Remember, when Paul was trying to defend himself as an apostle, he says what? Here we go. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. I stayed with him for 15 years. The only other apostle I met at the time was who? James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. And so we see that now James uh, uh, went from what non-believer to one of the first to see him after the resurrection, to be part of the group that organized the whole upper room situation. Uh, he was in Jerusalem when Paul uh, met Peter. Uh, and by the way, Paul later considers him uh, one of the pillars in the church. If you go to Galatians a little further down, remember, we just read this in Galatians, Galatians 2.9. He said, in fact, in fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God gave me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. And so this is the same James who didn't believe is now considered one of the pillars by Paul of the church. Okay? Don't let anybody count you off because where you are in your journey. Now, also, Acts 12, 17. Remember when Peter was locked up, Peter was, they prayed, Peter was released. Peter, when he, were, when, when he showed himself to the other believers, he asked them to make sure that James uh, knew what happened and that he was released. He's talking about this James. That's Acts 12, 17. And also, he was one of the leaders in the Jerusalem council in AD 50. Um, uh, uh, it's what ended up what happened. There was this big discussion about circumcision and Gentiles and faith and the law and stuff like this. And people were spreading 
just like the Judaizers were spreading to the Galatians and other people that you had to have the law and faith. And so what happened, a lot of the pillars of the church, including James and a lot of scholars think that James actually like chaired the meeting, like he was the chair of that council. Um, they got together to hash out this doctrine. And even if you read the account in Acts, in Acts chapter 15, you can even see some of James' Jewish influence in his thought. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, let's turn to it because you got because you got to see it because we got to understand that a lot of the first believers were Jews, um, and so this and this validates a lot of James stuff. Here we go, James uh, fifteen. I mean Acts fifteen. Sorry, Acts fifteen. And maybe when we get to the book of Acts, we'll maybe we'll dive a little deeper into this council. Um, here we go, Acts fifteen, uh, verse thirteen. It says, um, well. Uh, you will want to start early in 15, but I'm just going to pick up from um, 12. It says, everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Now, again, this is, this is Paul trying to explain to everybody that, you know, why you guys are talking circumcision, you know, that's not important. And why are you talking Gentile Jew? That's not important. So now verse 13, when they had finished, James, this is, this is the James we're talking about, stood and said, brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted as it was written. Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. All those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He who made these signs known so long ago. Now watch this. This is James still speaking. And so my judgment, again, so this is where you're going to see the Jewish influence here. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Again, this is his opinion. Verse 20. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offers to, offered to idols, which sounds like a, a reasonable thing, right? From sexual immorality, which sounds like a reasonable thing, uh, from eating the meat of strangled animals and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues uh, in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. So you see even James, champion faith and grace, still has this this, this idea of Judaism and, this, and the traditions and the laws of Moses still in his head, you even see it as the struggle through this council where they're trying to hammer out, well, what laws do we follow? Even James says, no, we shouldn't mess with it, but maybe we could just tell them not to do this. So you see that struggle. This is why Paul was fighting so vehemently to tell the Gentiles, do not fall back into this stuff. But this is about, about James. So that's the James we're talking about, okay? Now, he was martyred. He was killed in, um, in A.D. Uh, 62. So about 12 years after that whole council uh, was done, uh, that's when uh, he was, uh, was killed. So um, uh, uh, now about the book. We talked about the author. Let's talk a little bit about the book. Um, now, this is one of the earliest books in the New Testament. Some scholars even believe that this was the first like, letter um, uh, uh, written uh, post-resurrection. Uh, and, and so it's one of the earlier books uh, that was written. And it was definitely written before this council in AD 50. And thank goodness it was because it's possible James could have put some of the Jewish language and some of the things he might have been struggling with in the book, but he didn't before this council, which was great. And so about 47, 49 AD is when it was written. I think we talked about that. Um, the cool thing about James, and this is why James is, is, is really one of my um, favorite books, is the fact that James is a really practical book in the Bible. It is super practical. When you read through it, you might understand or realize or you might notice that James is not teaching any doctrine here. 
uh, but he's given instructions on how to live. You know what I mean? He, he's, not, he's not debating or, or, or teaching about being saved uh, uh, by faith through grace. He's not talking about repentance from, dead, from, from, from works. He's not talking about any kind of like doctrinal stuff where, as you read in Galatians, you saw a lot of doctrinal reteaching from Paul. Uh, when you read through Romans, we're going to see a lot of doctrinal teaching. Like here's the doctrine, here's the core beliefs, here's the foundational beliefs. He wasn't teaching any of that. He was more so teaching how to live, how the doctrine, how what we believe, once, it, once it's accepted and once it's in our heart, he's teaching how this affects our lives, how this affects the way we live, how we affect one another. Another thing that you're going to notice about this book, especially when you contrast it to how we read some other books like Romans, like what we just did with Galatians. I know, man, that's crazy, right? How we read those other books is that this is not really pieced together in a cohesive kind of way. Like there's really no track. There's really no progression. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like Proverbs in the fact that there's just a lot of points of wisdom and practical teaching just kind of strung back to back to back to back. If you ever read, read through Proverbs, you'll see even in some chapters, it seems like there's no narrative or no story in, in, in there. It's like wisdom, 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 practicality, practicality, thought, thought, thoughts, thoughts. And so it's a lot of like, like just wisdom in James and application and practical living for believers that's just kind of strung together, like bam, 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 bam. It doesn't fit the, it doesn't have the narrative that, that Romans have and the building blocks that we build and we build and we build. Like if you read in Paul, like Paul's letters to the Galatians, remember, we went chapter one, we went chapter two, we went chapter three, we went chapter four, and we saw the building of what Paul was doing. And then when Paul started to get to the application part, he says, therefore, if he's made you free, you know, who has, and so we see that therefore, because he's building, 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 building. So now this is what this means. James didn't do any of that. James gets right into how we what? How we ought to live. Okay. Um, uh, he uses uh, nature a lot here too, to explain spiritual truth. And, and we'll see that when we read it. Um, he really speaks, and this is why I think it was really important to go through why we uh, uh, believe uh, and why most scholars believe it was James, the half brother of Jesus, who wrote this book and we went through all James's qualifications. Watch this. Even the fact that he didn't believe at first, because that's important for all of us to understand that we all have a long way to go and, and never let anyone or judge you and don't you judge anyone else and don't you even judge yourself based on where you are now, because there was a point where this guy whose book we're, whose, whose letter we're about to read now, there was a point where he didn't even believe and then he was converted, okay? But, but, but we went down his long list of, of, of accolades because when we read this book, watch the complete authority that he teaches with. Now, again, it's one thing to teach with a ton of authority when it comes to doctrine. Like, this is the truth. This is the foundation. This is what it is. It's another thing to teach with this type of authority when you're telling people how to live. When you're telling them how to live and this is what they should do and this is what they should not do and this is how you handle trials and this is how you handle uh, uh, speaking and how you're talking. And so he's speaking with incredible authority, not on matters of doctrine, but on matters of how you live, uh, which is why we went through those great lists to establish his credibility because only a person with his amount of street cred can come as hard as he came authoritatively on non-doctrinal issues on issues of this is how you, he's not laying down a uh, doctrine here. He's laying down uh, conduct. Now here, here's what's, here, here's some um, vocabulary for us. 
And I just learned this word today. This literally has nothing to do with your salvation, but if you want to appear Bible smart, this is a great thing to learn. His, his book is, is more orthopraxy, or orthopraxy is spelled O-R-T-H-O-P-R-A-X-Y, orthopraxy, then orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is spelled the same, well, kind of the same way, except you take out the P-R-A and put a D-O. O-R-T-H-O-D-O-X-Y. Okay, so this is more orthopraxy than orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, like you hear about the Orthodox Church or Orthodox um, uh, religion, it's more traditional. It emphasizes uh, a, a, a doctrine of that church. So it's doctrine, it's core beliefs, it's ritualism, it's, it's the practice of these rituals. You know, if you go to a, an Orthodox kind of Catholic church, you know, you'll see people come down uh, with the garments on and they're doing the, the incense stuff like that. Like that's orthodoxy, that's ritual, and they practice those rituals. This book is not orthodoxy, it's orthopraxy. What it is, is the, the study uh, the, in religion, it it's, it's talks about conduct, um, ethical conduct, liturgical conduct, um, as, uh, as opposed to like foundation, okay? And, uh, or or um, foundation or, or um, uh, doctrine. It just talks, it, it, it's more about our conduct necessarily than, than the foundational kind of truth and stuff like that. So orthopraxy. So if you're ever having a Bible discussion and you want to impress people, use those two, that, that word, uh, and, and, and you'll be the most popular Christian in your circle. All right, here we go. Um, so themes of this book, themes, themes that we see throughout this book. Um, one thing that we see is that faith causes real change in our actions, in our behavior, and in our thoughts. That if we are believers, that we ought to see change in our actions, change in our behavior, and change in your thoughts. And if you don't see these kind of changes in our lives, he's saying then perhaps you need to examine whether or not you're a believer. Okay, another theme, life issues. That we go through life issues, but we can get through life issues. That we can, we, he talks about facing hard times, he talks about pride. He talks about the things that we say, the power of our tongue. Uh, he also talks about one of these things is faith is evident in our good works. Uh, that is impossible. And we don't forget, we talked about this in, in Impact. We talked about release. He talks about, it for the most part, that there's no spectators in this. That if you have faith, then it will be evident in your good works. And that your faith is useless without it. That, listen... Listen, you can say, I pray that God's going to get me this new job. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get this new job. God's going to move me. God's going to move me. But if you don't, listen, but if you don't get up off the couch um, and you don't at least put together a resume and send out something, you know, God's going to open the doors, but you got to at least get up and walk through the door. He's talking about your faith is useless uh, without it. Uh, and, and this is where we'll hear the phrase, you know, faith without works is dead. I know that's right, Ma. I never heard this about the book of James. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, this is why we listen. We do we 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 study in these books, man, verse by verse. He, then he he also talks a little bit about the dangers of wealth, um, and we'll get into that. Um, I think that's like uh, a little later um, in the book. Okay, we still got some time. I want to go down the the breakdown of the things, and then what we might end up doing is just reading a couple of verses um, uh, and really dive into the verse by verse uh, on on Thursday because we got six minutes to eight. Uh, here we go. So chapter one, I'm just going to, I'm just going to break down the way the, 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 the book is broken down, the way we did Galatians. So chapter one, chapter one, the entire chapter is, is basically full of these fragmented statements of wisdom, practical ways to live out our faith. Um, it, it, listen, 
Chapter one of James will remind you of Proverbs. You could take that chapter, you could put it in Proverbs and it feel like you're reading Proverbs. It's those fragmented statements of wisdom and practical ways to live. Uh, in chapter two, verse one through 13, he has a discussion on discrimination. Now, again, we just got finished reading Galatians. You see just how big of a deal this Jew, Gentile, law, free, grace, you know, ethnicity and all this other circumcision was such a big deal to them. And it's so wild how that is still a big deal to people now. Not just, I mean, in the, in, in, in the racial stuff we see in our country, in the racial, racial stuff we see even beyond the borders worldwide, uh, even in religion where you've got this whole debate about who are the original Hebrews and, 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 and what is meant by Gentiles and also the kind of stuff. When, when, when we're seeing that these were the same issues that James and Paul and these guys were trying to get people to look past even back then. So he discussed discrimination back then. Chapter 2, 14 through the end of chapter 2, he talks about the relationship between faith and good works. Um, and it's interesting because even as he's battling faith and grace versus works, he's also trying to explain to people now, just because it's faith and grace doesn't mean that you, it doesn't show itself evident by the good work that you do. And so he gets into that. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, that's the one nobody's going to want to come to listen to because that's when he talks about you may think you saved and you may think you holy, but if you can't control your tongue, you're neither. He gets into the things we say and the dangers of the tongue like nobody's business. And again, the authority by which he teaches practical living and not doctrine it's almost the way Jesus taught. And as a matter of fact, one scholar I was reading earlier this week, he compares the book of James to Jesus's uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount and a lot of Jesus's teaching and kind of does a side-by-side chart. And maybe what I'll do is I'll see if I can pull that up on the internet and the next time we get together, or maybe at the end, I'll, I'll share that screen so you can kind of see um, uh, how this guy did that. It was really kind of cool the way he did it. Um, uh, chapter three, verse 13 through 18, he talks about the power and the effect of wisdom an application in your life uh, and uh, is, is no secret or, or no shock that he's that big on, the, on wisdom because this is what his whole book is about. Chapter four, verse one through 10, he talks about fighting evil, evil desires uh, with humility and that humility is what brings us closer to God. Um, in in uh, chapters four, verse 11 and 12, he talks about not judging one another. These are more of these small fragmented tips. I know, I know, see, I love it too. Um, uh, chapter 4, 13 through 17, he warns about being boastful, and he talks a lot about not being prideful. Uh, chapters five, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, he gives a warning to the rich. Um, chapter 5, 7 through 12, he talks a lot about patience and endurance. In chapter 5, 13 through 18, he talks about the power of prayer. Uh, and in chapter 5, 19 through 20, he talks about the joy of a lost soul or a backslidden soul. And it's funny, Sierra and I were talking about this the other day, being returned to the faith, about how there are some things in church that we used to talk about a lot, but we don't talk about anymore. We don't talk about back, backslidden. And so what it caused me to do, because, you know, you know, I always talk about, you, you write about this is going to be good. We used to always talk about backsliders and backsliders, and, and we don't talk about that anymore. And so I'm developing a whole series coming up for Impact. I don't know when we're going to do it, um, but a whole series of teachings on things the church used to talk about that we need to start talking about again. And that includes the salvation of our souls and in, in, in living holy and not in a backslidden state. Um, it includes the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And we need to be talking about the fact that he's coming back again. Uh, the fact that the church is universal. It's bigger than 
society. It's bigger than culture. Jesus came so everybody can be saved. And so, you know, we got to get out of thinking that the way we do church in the black church or the white church or this church or that church is the only way to worship God. It's not. He's, he's universal. He's worldwide. Um, and it's for, it's for the nations. It's for the nations. And so these are things that, um, that we're going to pick up. But I digress. Um, let's see. Let's jump in. Let's jump into it. Let's, let's, re let's read a little bit. Let's read a little bit. Um, um, and, and, and we'll jump into uh, uh, a little bit more uh, on Tuesday. We'll really get into it. Um, yeah, this is going to be good. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, chapter one, verse one. Um, here we go. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we go. As far as who he's writing to. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Okay, so here we go. Now watch this. He said he, he, he's writing to the 12 tribes. So he's writing to, to Jewish believers, people who believe in Jesus, who are Jews. So he's not writing to Gentiles, okay? Very important to remember this. He's not writing to Gentiles. He's writing to, Jew, to Jews who believe in Jesus. Now he says scattered because you also got to remember that they suffered a lot of persecution, okay? And so, I mean, this goes all the way, all way back to, to, to when you had Israel in the Old Testament, uh, and then the, then the people of Israel split um, into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, and then the Assyrian uh, Empire captured one, Babylon captured another, and they had been enslaved. And, you know, you had times where Nehemiah and a few others were able to go back and they built the wall. And they've got this whole thing of never really being able to find where they were. And then the Romans come and take over. Now, don't forget in, uh, of all of it. Now, don't forget in, in, in Galatians, we talked about the importance of the Romans being uh, uh, in control uh, and the Roman Empire taken over at the time of Jesus because that their form of capital punishment was crucifixion and Jesus, according to the law, had to die on a tree. And so, and so we saw how all that worked together. So he's writing to Jewish believers who are scattered all over the place because now again, James, for the most part, stayed in Jerusalem. That's where his ministry was. So his ministry was kind of like, to, 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 he was in Jerusalem. And so he's sending this letter out to Jewish believers all over the place who are scattered. So remember, he's talking to people who are, who are Jews, who believe, and they're scattered, okay? They're persecuted. They're not, a lot of them aren't together in big groups. They're scattered, they're being persecuted, and that's who this letter is being written to. Now watch this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, so again, talking to fellow believers, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, leading nothing. You see how he jumps right in to application. This isn't doctrine. He's telling them when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it joy when you, first, when you face diverse uh, trials and temptations is what he's saying here in some, in, in some translations, right? So again, he's not getting into doctrine. He's getting into life application. And he's telling these people who are Jews and believers who are being persecuted, he's telling them when you face this stuff, consider it joy. This is why it seems like when he comes right out the bat in this book, he's talking to people who are scattered and he's telling them count it joy because this is, seems to be the first kind of thing that, that, that seems to be important to the people who he's writing to because it's what they're kind of going through right now in life. And so real practical uh, uh, there. All right, so we're already over eight o'clock. We're going to jump right back and we'll start with uh, verse two. We'll go right back to dear brothers and sisters when trouble's coming your way. And we're going to go all the way down through this book of James, which literally to me is like the New Testament version of the book of Proverbs. 
I mean, read through. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a really good book to read. If you if you have a problem reading the Bible or reading books all the way through, James is a really good one to start because it's a short five chapters and and the insight and the wisdom is so good. And so hopefully you get a chance to read through at least chapter one uh, before we come back to the study. And 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 so I'm sure we'll be able to get through chapter one next time. Um, and and if you've got some. Um, questions or if you've got something that God has been showing you through you reading chapter one, feel free to jump in. Um, uh, you can type it in the messenger and then I'll toss to, toss to you so we can make sure that the mic situations are all good so everybody can hear everybody, but we'll make sure we do that. Um, so I'll pray. And if anybody had any questions before we jump in, uh, before we uh, leave, feel free to do it. Um, and then we're good with James.